Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. This time on Ashto Resource Q&A, we're going to have another Taken from TechX episode. This one's going to be on finding an accredited calibration laboratory for reference equipment. And as a reminder, what this is, is the Q&A part that followed the session. So you're going to get to hear what all of the attendees had for their questions and how they were answered by the presenter. Exactly. This Q&A was recorded on March 19th, 2021, and Ben Stade is the moderator, and Maria Kanaki was the presenter, so she'll be answering the questions. Maria, I have a question for you. Uh, does your calibrator uh, need to be ISO certified to be compliant with ASHTO R18? And are there any specific types of equipment? Only the equipment that you're using as reference equipment to calibrate and standardize other equipment in your laboratory is required to, to be calibrated by an agency accredited to ISO 17025 in order to comply with ASHTO R18. So for R18, just your reference equipment, anything else that you're using to, to standardize equipment in-house, something like uh, standard masses if you're calibrating or standardizing your balances in-house. If you have a reference thermometer that you're using to standardize other thermometers, that would be something that you would need to have an ISO IEC 17025 accreditation for the calibrator. Awesome, thank you. And then you talked a little bit about calibrations, standardizations, and checks. Can you briefly kind of go through what each one of those terms means? We know what, what we're talking about here? Sure, I can try to do that for you. So a calibration is a comparison with a reference, and the reference has to be traceable to the SI unit of measurement, and the calibration has to include an estimate of measurement uncertainty with it. Standardization is that same comparison process, but I like to think of it as calibration light. Uh, it still has to be traceable, but you don't have to include that estimate of measurement uncertainty on it. That term standardization is pretty specific to the CMT industry. We don't see it used a lot in other industries. And really, quite frankly, when it comes to metrology and calibration is super confusing for everybody. So I'm so glad you asked this question. The big thing to remember is that with standardization, you don't need to have measurement uncertainty. The reason that term exists is that there was a recognition that given the risk of the equipment going out of tolerance, and the likelihood that the measurement will have an impact on the test results is pretty low in a lot of cases for CMT. So we were able to not have to have a measurement uncertainty estimate and still feel confident in the measurements we're making. Awesome, thank you. So there's a kind of a holdover question from the other day in same vein. You mentioned that you can't adjust a liquid and glass thermometer. Can you not apply a correction factor to the thermometer to standardize it? Now that we know what standardization is, can we standardize it? So just to kind of clarify, with both calibration and standardization, there's a huge misconception that every time you calibrate or standardize, that an adjustment has to be made. Uh, and then some people think that adjustment is actually the definition of calibration. The definition of calibration, the, the, the soul of it, is that it's a comparison. With a liquid and glass thermometer, you can't adjust the level of mercury in it. 
you can certainly, it is possible to mark that thermometer and say, hey, I know that there is a bias in my measurement here of 0.5 degrees C. And every time I take a measurement from this thermometer, I'm going to add 0.5 degrees C to it. So you can do that. Absolutely. But the point I was trying to make is that there are some pieces of equipment that you can't adjust, but you can calibrate. Yeah, you can make corrections. Absolutely. But uh, the, the point I was making is that calibration is not adjustment. Thank you so much. And then, so for example, say if you have uh, an outside agency, this is another question, uh, verify an oven across its range of use, uh, but you only use it at one temperature. Can, do you need to do that or can you just make it one temperature? Oh, that's such a great question. And if you're only using the device at one temperature, just get it calibrated at that temperature. There's no need to get a whole bunch of standardization or calibration points for it or something that's close within that range. So we have a, a thermometer policy that's published on our website specific for thermometers that has a lot of good information about calibration points and, and issues that are specific to thermometers, since I know people have a lot of questions about that. That uh, document says that if a thermometer is only being used to measure one point, then the test point for calibration has to be within five degrees Celsius, 10 degrees Fahrenheit of the point you're using it at. And there's also great information there if you're using over a range of points for different types of thermometers too. So definitely check that document out. Thanks. And then for something a little bit smaller, say uh, equipment that we can ship, what, what happens if we get equipment back from calibration that's out of tolerance? Someone mentioned in the chat that they had a piece of equipment show up and it was broken. But what if our thermometer comes back from calibration and it's in worse shape than we sent it out in? So there's, I guess, two different scenarios I'm going to address here. If you ship the equipment out and then you receive it back and there is obviously something wrong with it, then contact the calibration provider right away and let them know because they're the ones who shipped that up and shipped it to you that way. So work that out with them. You'll find that most calibration providers that are shipping equipment, they have staff that are specifically trained in how to package the equipment to ship it. And they're going to really want to know if something happened during shipment. I definitely recommend inspecting equipment when you get it back from calibration and make sure that it was it's still in the condition that you left it in. The other thing that could occur is that the item comes back and it's no longer within a usable tolerance. Either the calibration provider says this isn't good anymore. We don't think it's good based on whatever tolerance they're using if you haven't specified that for them, or you re recognize that internal tolerances that it's no longer acceptable. And what do you do there? So that, that's a, a great question. Uh, and typically you need to do some kind of investigation. If you hit me up through email or through chat after this session, I would be happy to send you an example of an impact investigation report for our assessment kits. One of the things that we found uh, that has gone out of tolerance in our assessment kits over the years are the calipers. Uh, we've done things to reduce risk over the years once we realized that that was an issue. One of the things we did is we put an extra set of calipers in the kits and we trained all of our assessors, hey, if you measure something and it's out with one set of calipers, measure it with the second set. So then when we go back and through and do our impact investigation report, we can interview that assessor and say, hey, you know, did, do you remember this situation? Did you do that? And we're able to find that most of the time when we do an impact investigation report, we can find that there was no impact on the result of the assessment because the assessors knew to use that second set of calipers. 
We've also changed our interval for uh, calipers over time to reduce that risk. Um, but the bottom line is if you have something that's that's out of tolerance and, and you realize that it did in fact impact the work you were doing, in our case, it would be an assessment for a lot of our customers. It would be of a test that they were performing. Then you have to notify the customer and we've done that and we've let them know that, hey, this, this result is now questionable and uh, we remove it from their assessment report and we'll amend the report if that's the case. But in your case, you'd have to follow your own business policies for amended test reports. And then we have a question about what is exactly considered reference equipment? Is it anything used during the calibration procedure? It's the device that you're comparing to something else. So it's, it's whatever your piece of measurement equipment is. So if you put a, a standard weight on a balance, then the weight, the mass is your reference. If you are calibrating or standardizing calipers in-house, you would typically use gauge blocks for that. It would be your gauge blocks. You're using a reference thermometer to calibrate other thermometers that you use daily in your facility, and you've got one special one that you sent out for calibration, then that's your reference thermometer. Awesome. There's some, some things that, and again, this thermometer document I sent goes over this. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just a, had an aha moment myself. Um, there's some things like ovens. We, we, if you are using a thermometer to check your ovens, we don't actually require that you use a reference thermometer for that for your standard 110 plus or minus 5 degree C oven. We, you can use a working thermometer for that. So that document, if you're working with thermometers, is going to be really useful for you. Awesome. Thank you. Speaking of thermometers, when can you use the single point ice point verification on a glass thermometer versus that multi-point verification covering range of use? So an ice point is a great way to perform a verification of a calibration. And I don't remember exactly what the policy says, but I think that you can, we do allow, yes, we do allow the ice point verification in lieu of, of a calibration, but if something is off in your ice point check, then you do have to perform a complete recalibration. That's a very good question. Awesome. And then somebody had a question out of the app policy and guidance document on thermometers and is asking about whether the 36 month interval in there for thermometers is the same as the 12 month, which in R18, which one should I go with? Is the 36 month one for something other than your working thermometers? Yeah, I believe that is, is solely for reference thermometers. AASHTO R18 does not actually have requirements for the interval for reference equipment, but this document does for thermometers. So it is every three years uh, or 36 months, as you said, for reference thermometers. Uh, there's nothing else that we actually specify the intervals for. That's the only one. Excellent. And then somebody has a question, uh, why is ASHTO not a signatory member of ILAC, an approved assessment authority of ILAC? Well, that is a, a very good question. I will try to keep my explanation brief here. There's a few reasons. One of the big ones is that ILAC only recognizes laboratories that accredit to ISO IEC 17025. We do have a very small ISO IEC 17025 program. And we've considered gaining recognition just for that program. It is a, a still a small program, but growing for us. So that's something we might consider. We would not be able to receive recognition for our AASHTO R18 accreditation. The reason that we accredit to AASHTO R18 
is because our membership, which is the State Departments of Transportation, they are the decision makers for how our accreditation program is run. And they developed the standard AASHTO R18 as a mechanism to accredit construction materials laboratories in the United States. And that's the most recognized standard in the United States for CMT laboratories. And uh, that's, that's kind of the, the main reason. Certainly, if anyone wants to get into it with me a little bit more, that's, I'll, I'll stop there, but that's the, uh, the brief explanation. Awesome, thank you. So have we ever considered offering, we, we offer some 17025 accreditations. Uh, would we ever offer those for calibration laboratories as well as testing laboratories? That's, that's a great question. We've been asked about that before. Our expertise is truly in CMT. That is what our, our staff maintain their expertise in. And we are not metrologists, so we like to leave the accreditation for calibration to the metrologists. And therefore, it's not something we've seriously considered. Again, uh, our oversight is by the AASHTO members, which are the Departments of Transportation, and their interests are really in transportation building products. Excellent. Thank you. The questions have stopped rolling in, so I think we can wrap things up unless anybody has any more questions. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And that was the Q&A session from Finding an Accredited Calibration Laboratory for Reference Equipment. Again, the moderator was Ben Sade, and the presenter answering those questions was Maria Kanaki. We hope you enjoyed it enough to check out the next AASHTO Resource Technical Exchange. Kim, when is that going to happen? That's currently scheduled for March 28th through the 31st, 2022. You can find more information about the upcoming technical exchange on our website, ashtoresource.org slash events. Thanks for listening to AASHTO Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out AASHTO Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.